1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: It was a long time to stew in my own juices. Mm -hmm. I found myself being directed toward books. I'm a strong mm. starter and a poor mm. finisher mm-hmm. of many things, especially books. But I you know, because of all of the all of the lenses put on just the the not just racial unrest but mm. the inequity of opportunity in our life, in our country, in our world. You know, I had to turn that lens toward myself. Life is a journey, and
3: most of it is spent in the in-between, in the middle places. But every once in a while, you find yourself on the other side of something.
0: These are the stories we are telling here. We believe that stories change the world, and we hope that when you hear stories of lives changed, obstacles overcome, lives broken, lives mended, and hope found, you'll actually see yourself in their stories.
3: Now more than ever, we need each other, and we need each other's stories. This is on the other side hey guys and welcome to season two of on the other side i'm jamie Ivy.
0: what's up i'm erin Ivy?
3: and we're so excited about this season i mean we have some phenomenal guests coming your way but oh, yeah. today we are over the top excited about our first guest for season two and it is the one and only amy, amy grant, grant. <laughs> amy grant amy
0: grant sat down with us baby baby
3: <laughs> baby baby I'm taking. Maybe it we should mush. just play
0: Amy Grant doing this. You know, in July of this year, a 30th anniversary edition of her iconic album, Heart in Motion, released all the songs that, if you were in the 90s, if you were old enough to be a music lover, then you know probably every single song on this album. Well, they decided to remaster some tracks to include never before released tracks. And updated remixes of all of the hit singles and it is out now and it is so fun to get to talk to Amy about her journey.
3: Yeah, so we sat down with Amy and and talked to her about what has it been like the last 30 years. I mean, she's been doing music for longer than 30 years, but at least what was it like to release an album that you wrote and worked on 30 years ago? And her insight to music industry then and music industry today. I found entertaining and I'm not even in the music industry
0: and I found it fascinating and the fact that she's had longer than a 30-year career as a musician and artist is just absolutely extraordinary
3: all right y'all here is our conversation with Amy Grant on on the other side of a 30-year-old album Amy welcome to on the other side we're so happy to have you here Thank you. This is exciting. And I know that um, in July of this year, you released an album that you released 30 years ago, which we all know, especially in uh, my generation, for sure. This was, you know, big, um, hard in motion. It came out in March of 1991. Just a conglomerate of lots and lots of awards. And here you are releasing it again. And I would love to just hear from you. What was the thinking behind saying, I want to take this much beloved album that so many people loved, and then I want to put it out again? What was the thinking process behind that?
2: Well, I'd like to say it was my idea. (laughs) 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 But at this point in my life, I'm not making as much new music. I might again, just I'm just not right at the moment. And so, you know, I'm sure people who have been invested in my music career want to have some kind of hey she's still going (laughs) (laughs) and so it was not my idea to do the 30th anniversary but I was so glad to have opportunities to go back and visit with the songwriters the engineers the producers we just treated ourselves to a walk down memory lane and it's Mm, funny because I look back on it and go hey a lot of records come out over the decades some sell a lot more than that but for those of us in Nashville that record for a lot of us it was the first launch into a pop presence that mm-hmm. the music community that we revolved mm-hmm. and it was it was you know our first home run yeah mm-hmm. and it, anyway and it was just so much fun that sort of changed the trajectory for a lot of us mm-hmm. and i'm so glad to be 60 i'm so glad i'm not 30 mm-hmm. right in the middle of all that <laughs> beautiful mayhem <laughs> right right <laughs> when you look at the songs as a
3: 60 year old woman looking back on you know the f- songs that you sang when you were 30 what do you feel
2: different or what do you love what is what is different about them now to you oh goodness I mean that wasn't just half a lifetime ago that was <laughs> lifetimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really beautiful sort of full circle moment was 4th of July my daughter Millie, uh, by the way, who I wrote "Baby, Baby" for with Keith mm. Thomas, and mm. I was I was pregnant with Millie during the writing of most of this record. Mm. You know, for all of, for us performing mothers, you sort of write and do studio work when you're, you know, up till delivery, <laughs> breastfeeding, <laughs> right. and you work like right. mad to get your figure back, and then you tour. And yeah. so I went on tour. You know, rehearsal started before you know when she was one. Anyway, all of that to say that Millie. 4th of July weekend sent out a message to my whole family i'm expecting a baby mm, that's and to amazing. me that was that's unplannable amazing. right <laughs> so, i right. i mean i was already just thinking there i don't know you know beautiful first full circle moments in mm-hmm. life but she just you know put the icing on the cake
3: that mm-hmm. is
0: beautiful amy it's almost unheard of that someone gets the the privilege of being an artist and a musician songwriter for this long in their life you know you just don't hear about people having that kind of long career so first congratulations and I think it says a lot about just your love for the art and the significance of it when this record came out in 1991 I mean it was it's an overused word, but it was groundbreaking. It was so fresh and so different. And I'm wondering when 1991 was happening, did you know that this album was going to be something so special, something that could last 30 years and then be released 30 years later and it still be something people were really excited about and moved by? Did you know that that was going to come? Of course not.
2: None of us know anything <laughs> ahead of time. But I know I had been making music at that point for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of firsts in that record for me. It was the first time I had ever worked with multiple producers. It was the first time I had like mutual interest from the two record companies that I was signed to. Mm-hmm. Like they both kind of had a, an equally vested interest in it. And it, I guess, it was because it was the first time I had presented songs that. I don't know. I felt like if it were a fishing trip and, you know, even writing a song, it just feels like you're always casting your line out there waiting for a nibble, yes. waiting for that next line. Yes. And even finishing a song in the studio, you it just feels like just trying to get a bite, you know? Yes. Yes. And with that one, you know, I was back and forth between three studios. We were just trying to be expedient with time because I was a mother with young children mm-hmm. And in a pretty rigorous touring pattern up to that point with a limited time to make a record right, and all of that anyway, but it really, it felt like just, it could just congealed in a way that all of a sudden we went, Oh, this is really special. Mm, Like you don't work any harder or any less hard on any project, you know, it's just like blood, sweat and tears for everything. Yeah. And then you all of a sudden, I don't know if we had if it felt like anything, it felt like we just went, Oh my gosh, like I think we hooked a big one. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of everything. And at that point, you know, if, if you ever been deep sea fishing, you know, everybody's like, I'll take a turn. It's a long yeah. time. But then more and more energy kept piling on, like different departments at different at AM records. We need to we need to service this to the club scene. We need to remix this. We Like people Mm. that had not really had a vested interest in what I had done before said, give me a chance with that. Let Mm. me take that to my world. Let me take it. And so it just felt like such an amazing experience of community, even between those two record companies that had such great respect for each other. Mm. But by this time, they were five or six years into a dual recording contract relationship with me, but they'd never felt like, Oh, everybody grabbed Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it really felt that way. And I've made a mm. lot of music. I've never had that same experience happen again. Mm. And to me, mm. it's just, it, it just felt like everybody is always orbiting at, with their own energy at their own speed. And every once in a while, all the orbits at the same time will just mm. whoosh yeah. around. Yeah. But, like when you're singing and the windshield wipers are never with, and then all of a sudden they're with the beat <laughs> yep, for just yep. a little while. And, and then they're like, all
0: yes,
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah, did it. Yeah, we did it. And well, that's I, what it
2: felt like.
0: Hmm. I think it's important for for people that maybe don't know about music, you know, culture in the 90s. It wasn't really common that you could cross genres that you could have you know, a Christian artist making pop music now in 2021, that's kind of been normalized, but then it wasn't. And that's why this album, I think, is one reason why it's so special and the songs that were on it were so special and hit such a wide audience. How much like pushback did you get from that in the 90s of wanting to do an album like that?
2: I didn't really I mean in retrospect I'm sure there was pushback but unlike today you know we all kind of were in our own mole run and I was working so hard I have so many fantastic great stories from that time but they were not like you know there was no social media mm-hmm. right uh, people just showed up mm-hmm. that, you know and so I guess whatever was happening you know, p- positively or negatively. It was just enough degrees of separation for mm-hmm. me that I just heard about it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't affecting how, how I woke up and went to sleep every day. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Can you <laughs> Don't imagine? Don't you, you could
2: go back to those days, Amy? Oh yes.
3: I mean,
0: now everything is like instant outrage where, you know, everybody is a critic. So it's hard yeah. to even imagine a time where you didn't have that instant access to both like applause and, and criticism. I, did that help? the art I kind of like be more natural and be just more straight from you and the heart without listening to feedback on a daily basis on a Twitter feed or Instagram? It
2: had to have been. I mean, I think all of life was lived in a more private way. Mm. You know, we were all kind of in our own creative silos and it made the community that was immediately around you. They had the loudest voice and I just can't. I can't stress enough I loved that community. So Keith mm-hmm. Thomas had the two opening cuts on that record. Well the first time I ever assembled a band and played, you know, before that it was me, me and a guitar player, sometimes singing to accompaniment tracks which was never very exciting in my book, but mm-hmm. <laughs> putting a band together in college, Keith Thomas played keyboards. Wow. And so this was 10 years after that, I had known him for a long time and we'd been friends, but never had not worked together. And Keith, he was so far ahead of his time in the programming Mm. and, Mm. you know, and he came out of the Southern gospel world. He grew up, oh, wow. I mean, he grew up in rural Georgia, no running water. I mean, he talks about Mm. his childhood, but he was just like this music computer whiz and he pulled out the, computer that he did all that programming with and it looks like something from lost in space i mean it looks looks like a set prop it is ancient of days and um and then michael o'marty and i had worked with him doing a recording a song with peter satira back in 1986 you know this Mm. was five years after that four years when we're making the record but he had said oh we should work together sometime let's come on let's do something that's yours and so it just all came together in such a beautiful way. It was just the right time for all of us. Mm-hmm. And and so it was just fun. It was just this fun, healthy, friendly competition. What does your song sound like? Oh, hey, oh, hey we need to kind of up our yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> because everyone knew each other. We were all friends. That's we so just- amazing. It was so fantastic. You That's, know, so, great. That's you, so great. Do you
0: think that kind of music culture is lost, or do you think that we can have that again?
2: There are beautiful things about every stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have access to each other now, like us right now. Mm-hmm. You're in Austin. I'm in Nashville, yeah. and I can see your, I can see your dimples when you smile.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're you pretty know? awesome. Her <laughs> dimples are awesome.
2: They are, and and you know, during COVID, you would see people participating on the same musical project from around the world yeah Yeah. oh my gosh I can't believe we live in a time where we're so connected Mm. and there's like everything there's a beautiful side to that and then there's the other side of the coin it's always Mm. been that way so Mm. would I do I want to go back in time Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah yeah. but that was the best to me that was one of my favorite recording experiences that's awesome and
3: I love that we get to experience it all over again
1: today.
3: Speaking of COVID, it canceled tours and you're going to go back on the road. And I would love to hear, do you love being on the road? Do you love touring? And like, do, what excites you about standing up and singing all these songs with so many people that love them?
2: I do love being on the road. I've always loved packing a bag. And also for every person that travels for work, I think there's a part of us that kind of fantasizes about what would it be like if I could actually wake up every day in the home mm-hmm. that I love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My miss. <laughs> yeah. my uh-huh. and, uh, and COVID gave us all that gift. It's true. I read an article. I can't even remember the magazine that it was in, but Roseanne Cash wrote it. And it was right when COVID was, had everybody staying home. And it was her feelings about not being able to do th- th- the thing that she'd always had a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with and you know i do love touring but suddenly when it was like nobody can do this then you get so protective of your attachment to it and so how i feel now going back out is even though we've all tried to sing and stay in shape like whatever all that mental emotional musculature is Mm -hmm. gone (laughs) so i'm like can we lower that another half step yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, there's something kind of cool about that too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I think everybody's game face has been permanently removed Mm. in a way, you know. We've Mm. just all had to take a long, good, hard look at ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, And you know, so I hope we all come together a little more open.
3: I think that that will happen. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you went through in the past couple of years is you had a major surgery and I was reading Mm -hmm. about it today and I read about how this even came about that you just went to the doctor with Vince and the doctor Mm -hmm. was like, Hey, how about we do this for you? So tell us how that all went down. Yeah. Christmas of
2: 2019, Vince and I were in the middle of a crazy hectic schedule doing our Christmas residency at the Ryman auditorium and mm-hmm. somewhere in there, he had squeezed in, you know, I really, he went to the doctor cause his dad died at 65. Mm. And, you know, I think anytime you're approaching the age when one of your parents died, you know, you're just like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. anyway, so he had done all these tests and I just went with him to get the test results. Mm you know and i am married to a cheeseburger loving man <laughs> and they're going that doctor is about to read you the ride you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the doctor just looked at him and said buddy i can't believe it your your arteries are clear just exercise and eat better wow you know so we were like way to go and yeah, yeah. and then yeah we were it was time to go and the doctor turned to me and said hey we need to check you out and i was like me i'm good <laughs> yeah i know i i love being active and i i eat healthy and yeah i just said well not yeah. now it couldn't be busier and he said well it's the first of the year hmm. and so you know i said okay so i went in the first week of january and and i thought oh i don't want to get on a treadmill it sounds awful right it's it faster and steeper, yeah you know And anyway and he i didn't do a treadmill test i did this kind of an interesting battery of tests i'm not mm-hmm. sure why he ordered what he ordered and they discovered a birth defect and then he was mm-hmm. like we got to do this before the year's up
0: mm-hmm.
2: then covid hit the whole world slowed down
0: and right like, as
2: soon as the hospitals opened up they put me in wow and did i read that left untreated it would have been fatal yes Yep, he said. I probably he didn't say this to me, but I actually read an article about. Uh There must have been not a lot going on that day. That yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah. But he said she probably would have made it to sixty-two. Wow, wow. I'm sixty. I know. Mm. I was like, no. Well, that's not the way I think about it about my life. You know, right? Yeah. But none, you know, none of us know. I've got a friend, a young woman who's having heart surgery today. Yeah, and she's young. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, everything that happens to us, I think, with time just sensitizes us to life and the blessing of every day. It's so true. I, I I
0: Absolutely. It's so true. It That season, COVID, changed so much for all of us, like you mentioned. And then even, you know, heart surgery. Can you think of like maybe one or two things that like it profoundly changed this season changed in you that you feel like you're going to be carrying, you know, for the next 10 years in a good way or, you know, in a way that sharpened you or refined you? Are there things that stick out like this was a defining changing moment and this is what it changed in me?
2: Yeah. Can I ask that of you too? Sure. (laughs) sure Oh my gosh. Absolutely. How long do we have? No. Yeah. No. You answer first and then.
0: Okay. Okay. We'll answer.
3: Yeah. So I saw we have
0: individual answers. I saw that <laughs> you and
3: Vince have been married for 21 years. Yes. We just hit 20. Mm-hmm. And COVID was our hardest year of marriage. Hands ever. down. Ever. There were lots of circumstances that came into it.
0: We were even writing a book on healthy marriages <laughs> That's, during the worst <laughs> year of our marriage. Yeah. So, That's
3: but I think right. for us, one of the things, even having to slow down, was we had to reevaluate, like, We both travel for work as well. We had to reevaluate: what are the things that are important? What do we not want to go back to? And we had to think like: how do we conflict manage after being married for twenty years? We Mm -hmm. thought we had this down, Mm -hmm. and now we have new conflict. Yeah, so that was probably ours.
0: Yeah, and for me, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, and it's something that I, you know, kind of knew. There was always something that felt a little off, but mm-hmm. I'm like an achiever, an artist. Let's just get stuff done. Let's keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, when the world just kind of stopped, you kind of have to deal with some things that have always been there. Now you have the space. You got no coping mechanisms to kind of go to. You're just by yourself just <laughs> yep. looking at a tree, wondering <laughs> what you're going to do for the next you know, month. That really kind of like blew up in my life. And that was a major change. That was a major Thing that I had to wrestle with, and you know, get help with medication and with counseling, and it's Mm -hmm. been better. But that was a very new thing for me. I'm like the optimist in the family, I'm like, everything's cool, everything's fine, and then to have to deal with no, no, everything's not, and I'm actually really broken that changed me.
2: Mm -hmm. There's our counseling session, Amy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) well, you know, uh, I mean, I think all of us doing in our own juices and. Honestly, for those of us who really have tried to live an open life, full of compassion toward ourselves and others, using language of respect, which I have tried to do, it was a long time to stew in my own juices. Mm -hmm. I found myself being directed toward books. I'm a strong Mm -hmm. starter and a poor Mm -hmm. finisher Mm -hmm. of many things, especially books. But I, you know, because of all of the, all of the lenses put on just the the not just racial unrest, but mm. the inequity of opportunity in our life, in our country, in our world. You know, I had to turn that lens toward myself. Mm. And I made it partway through a book called Me and White Supremacy. Mm and and just to think through my the atmosphere in my great in my great grandparents home my grandparents home the home i grew up in the home i created to you know to things that i don't even know what to say except for you know when you are when you live in the land of the haves mm-hmm. you your attention has to be brought to not everybody got the golden ticket. Mm. Mm. And I and and I think because I have tried to live a lifestyle of giving and to I don't know, but there was a lot of mm. I mean it just continues. I <laughs> I don't you know in the end, none of us sees the big picture, mm. but we're all part of the problem and we're all part of the solution. That's right. And it's so important for us to listen to each other. And it's so important to not posture. And it's so important to not, at some point, you cannot worry about how your words are. You just have to lunge forward with curiosity and say, what next? Hmm. Now what do we do? Hmm. And I mean, to me, a real gift of COVID has been the invitation to find language and to use the opportunity to say, hey, when I walk into a room, I represent 60-year-old white women. Mm. In some circles, that's like, hey, my aunt, my grandma just walked in. Oh, I love this. In another circle, it's like, uh uh-oh. And to go, when I walk in, regardless of everything I've done right or wrong, I walk in representing a people group (laughs) Mm. that needs a lot more open discussion with other people groups. Mm. And to me, that's really been the biggest gift. And honestly, it's even come down like my, with Vince and I have had the most opportunity to talk about Mm. things. You know, Mm. like every couple, you know, we don't bump heads a lot. When we bump heads, it's, you know, earth shattering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I don't know, just like there's something about deep gut-wrenching humility of seeing that you are part of a cultural problem that Mm. you don't even realize you're playing into that's real sorrow Mm. that's deep that same kind of humility you realize you can be married for a while and that somehow kind of escapes the relationship you're part of every day Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so you know i I th- we ha- we are finding new language to say this dynamic that is a little unsettling with us, you know, I I know I'm part of that dynamic and I, mm-hmm. I can't see myself clearly enough to know how I am playing into this. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who's grown up sort of always feeling like I was trying to put my best foot forward, I have I, I'm, try- I'm trying to be welcoming of all of myself, I don't know how this is going to come across, but I mean, from the time I was a teenager, I was like, yeah, do your best, do your best, best foot forward, best foot forward. And nobody is, you know, we're all such a mix of our best and worst. And so Mm -hmm. my, my recent mantra has been okay, let's make this a safe environment. I'm just going to gently ask the inner bitch to come forward. (laughs) (laughs) Show your ugly self. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Show your ugly self and at least say, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. And that
3: that takes hard, it's hard work to do that.
2: What is, and it's also just, you feel like it, it's, it's like cleaning out your closet. (laughs) It's never a job that's finished. And it always looks worse before it gets better. And sometimes it looks so bad and then it looks good for a while Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it looks bad again, you know, but that's just life. That's life and being human. And, and to me, that was really the gift of COVID. You know, you talked about just Mm. like you know, all of a sudden without all the distractions that I don't, I think most creative people, there is a kind of depression that circles Mm. around the edges and, flows through the middle of us at times because and that's a It also it's a that's a great access to compassion Mm. for yourself and other people you know i mean you know that feeling when you've like just had a a a real 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 hard cry about something and then afterwards you're just you sort of have a headache Mm -hmm. but you feel better and you're Yeah. Like exhausted, and you're nobody has any makeup left on anymore. And <laughs> yeah, everything is kind of puffy and red mm-hmm. and swollen. I've, but you've also feel cleansed in a way, mm. you know, it's just like the snot has been blown out, but you're just fully present. Yeah, mm. a little, a little unsturdy, but very there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to yeah. me, that's how the you know that was a beautiful thing that happened in COVID Um, or at least the invitation was there. Yeah. The invitation was there. Yeah. That's really good.
0: I'm so thankful that um, you and a lot of other people, Responded to that invitation and said, yes, I'll wade into those really difficult and murky waters because we're on the same journey, too, yep. of learning a lot about ourselves, learning a lot about our our past. And like you mentioned, how families raise families that raise families that now we are, you know, in the middle of that story. And so I'm just really thankful that that has been going on in you and with you and more inspiring than, you know, your your songs or your art, I think, is that posture of being a sixty year old woman saying, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm still changing. That's that's awesome. That's beautiful.
3: I hope mm-hmm. that we all say that until the last breath. Yeah. Amy Grant, thank you so much. This album that you released this year is wonderful all over again we get to relive it all over again and we loved it then Uh, but more than that thank you for just being who you are and and having a conversation with us that matters and is inviting to other people to kind of take that same invitation that was offered to all of us and so thank you
1: yeah thank you
0: I absolutely loved our conversation with Amy. I I just found her to be so gentle, like such a just a lovely person to talk to. Such an honor to get to talk to her. And uh, I mean, it kind of felt like crazy, right? Like thinking about the 90s, listening to these songs. I mean, I was in high school. Oh, I remember. When Heart in Motion came out.
3: Yeah, Baby, Baby, mm-hmm. and That's What Love Is For, Every Heartbeat. I mean, I remember these songs oh, yeah. and love them. And I also remember what you asked her about was that transition for her being really one of the first Christian CCM, CCM artists artist. Yeah. to take that leap over into the secular world. Yeah. And she did it what we thought seamlessly. And it was even interesting to hear how different it was then without the social media that she didn't feel the tension.
0: That sounds kind of awesome, doesn't it? Right? To like live in a world without social media. It sounds
3: lovely. Oh my goodness. It sounds great. But we also love it as well. But I was a little nervous to talk to Amy Grant because it's Amy Grant. Yeah,
0: it's Amy Grant. And
3: I too found her lovely and excited about introducing our daughter, Story, to an album that we listened to when we were in high school because I think Story's going to dig this music for sure.
0: Yeah, I thought the last few minutes too where she kind of was really open about what she's learning about herself, a uh, surprise. I don't think I imagined the conversation going there, but I was really thankful for what what she said and how honest she was in that.
3: It's one of my favorite things that can happen in an interview is when you have an idea of where the show might go and it might go there. But then one little question, one little little moment and the next thing you know, you're sitting on someone's vulnerability that you never expected to have. And I was grateful that Amy was willing to go there with us and I appreciated her words and it was inspiring to me.
0: I thought she was joking when she said, I'm going to ask you that question first and she flipped it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, no, she's serious. But I really enjoy talking to Amy. You know, when you talk to a person like that, you realize that that person, Amy, is much deeper than just the songs that she creates, even though the songs have been awesome. I just love getting able to talk to an artist that has like so much depth and thinks about things in a a really deep and, and beautiful way.
3: Well, welcome to season two of On the Other Side. We've got eleven more great interviews coming at you, uh, where we talk to people about being on the other side of the Oklahoma City bombing, being on the other side of uh, food saving their their life, uh, being on the other side of paraplegic, being on the other side of winning The Voice. I mean, we've got some great episodes yeah, coming at you, awesome. and so make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, and go find us on Instagram as well. We are at On the Other Side Pod. Today's show was mixed and edited by Aaron Campbell. Show notes were written by Abby Castell. Show graphics and videos were made by Rachel Ray. And the show's produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Please share this show with a friend if you loved it. It's how most people find out about podcasts. Thank you for listening to On the Other Side with Jamie and Aaron Ivy.